this computer. Welcome to God's Word During Exile. This is a podcast where four, sometimes five, maybe even six at some point pastors meet to talk about God's Word. We are on a trajectory of eventually finishing a Bible study through the book of Revelation. And today, uh, as you can see, Mike Hussey, who is incredibly dressed down for this situation, uh, he's wearing his Super Mario shirt and some hat with a Buffalo Bills that hasn't won in a while. Um, AFC Championship game last year, Natal. What and what happened at the end of that? What happened? What happened at the end of that? I don't want to talk about that right, part. Exactly. Okay. So anyway, these uh, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, welcome in. We're happy to have you, Mike. How's vacation going? Good. Good. I've got ten days of beard growth going, so that's nice. I'm feeling a little bushy. You are looking stellar, and I noticed that you don't have any of the. Uh, mustache wax in today. Nope. So nope. you don't have the typical twist that you usually have going on. Nope. Nope. Just all looking homeless today. So I'm headed out to the lake. Good thing <clears throat> you're sitting next to somebody that is very esteemed who can maybe share some of his esteemness <laughs> through osmosis. Uh, today we're joined with somebody new who our listeners maybe have never <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> was that, was that angels singing? What was that? Uh, that was that was Dr. Primano's theme music. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for those of you who don't know, we are joined today by Dr. Brad Primanow. He is the academic dean at the Lutheran Brethren Seminary. Uh, he is currently, you just graduated how many? How many students did we just graduate? Yeah. yeah. Um, we had six six so that's great so we're going to continue to be praying for that uh you guys can check out brad he's got a uh podcast called embracing the word reaching the world that he does with a gentleman who i graduated seminary with dr dan Berge, and they do a great job together um as they continue to do that so be sure to check that out you can find it on facebook and then also on any other podcast avenues that you might be uh privy to So today we are going to uh, be talking about, so Brad's emphasis as he was going for his uh, doctrinal studies is in the Old Testament. And so today we're going to talk about the Old Testament uh, usage in the New Testament, in particular its use in the book of Revelation. So it all works together. And so maybe you've been wondering about some of that. I know we did some foundational episodes, but it never hurts to build a stronger foundation upon it as we continue to move forward. So this might seem like it's a little bit out of place uh, because we're not going specifically through a section in Revelation, but you guys will see how this will be beneficial as we continue to move forward as we're building, you know, this house. And so Brad, we welcome you in. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, You might have to uh, try and corral us in because sometimes we tend to get a little bit rowdy. And I'm talking about <laughs> this guy over here, Mr. Ben Baker. Uh, this is Matt Nelson over here, Mike Hussey. And then up and over me is Dr. Brad Pribbenow. There it is. Uh, I don't think I got any of them right. You got uh, you got one of them line. right. Did I? <clears throat> well, two, I guess, because you're I got you guys and I are right. in the same spot. Yeah, yeah. So good. <laughs> I got the most important one right. Everybody else knows who those guys below us are. Um, so there it is. All right. Uh, I believe that Mike said that he was going to open us in prayer. All right. Let's pray. 
Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for today, and we thank you for this opportunity to kind of look at your uh, your scriptures as a whole, to not just look at one verse or one chapter or one section, but to see how uh, Revelation, that last book in the New Testament, is is connected to and is a part of and a continuation of the story of all of Holy Scripture, um, which all points to the same thing, um, to Christ, um, to his perfect and sacrificial life lived in our place, his death died for us, paying the price for our sins. Uh, God, as we take a look at your word and, and discuss it, I pray that you would show us our sin, uh, bring us to repentance, Lord, and also point us to the finished work of Christ for us. Lord, strengthen our faith by your word. We pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. All right. One thing before we get too far into it, somebody asked me, one of the listeners asked me, you know, how did you get uh, tied up with these other guys that you're doing this study with? <laughs> and one thing that we all have in common is Brad. And uh, we all have connections with the Lutheran Brethren Seminary. And so we are here because of Brad. So it's, it's all your fault. Yeah, yeah. Try not to take too much credit and too much blame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like just blaming him straight out of the gate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's only up from here. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is. I actually had thought about that with you before, guys. I can't. Can't you know, granted we got different uh, some denominations represented, but I can't look across a lot of different swaths of, of groups of people that I know and say, yeah, I've had each of those guys in some some form or another as a as a student or somehow connected. They've not been around that long compared to some others that can say that more often. But so it's a privilege to be uh, invited and be a part of this today. So thanks. Thanks for what you're doing with us, too. And it, we, we may all have a connection with Professor Prebinoa. Ben and I have a special one. Because we got to take Hebrew, like three credits of Hebrew at like an eight credit place with you <laughs> and really just drink through a fire hose Hebrew. So, so we pleasure. have that unique. Yeah, and on top of that, it was probably one of the first times I taught it too. So I think it was, it was the, the very first it was, time. Was he, did I teach in? I was teach, Was I teaching from St. Louis when you I had I think it? you were, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, uh, Dr. Berge was in there. Mm-hmm. Berge was in the room, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Mike bailed on us, so... Yeah, sorry, gents. That was my last year, and I got maybe a month into it, and I went and visited Dr. Bo, and I was like, um, so it's my last year, I don't feel like working that hard. Uh-huh. <laughs> not, but not that I don't regret it. I would have loved spending that time with you. Uh, it was just very apparent that the pace that was being taken was not something that I could keep up with on my final year at yep. seminary. As an elective, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Understood. Cool. All right, let's uh, let's take it away. Let's dig in and go through this outline that Brad was nice enough to uh, yeah. send to us. All right. Want me to? Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. Again, thanks for for uh, the invite. Um, and I I did a, a bunch of uh, kind of some background things and started out just. I'm sure you guys have mentioned you've talked somewhat about. How we read the Bible is sort of a good good place to maybe just to sort of touch back on, um, because I, I would say one of the things I didn't anticipate. So I, I grew up in the church. Um, I kind of got an, an itch for ministry and campus ministry. And one of the things you might know about campus ministry, if you've been involved with that, is it can be quite eclectic. Um, 
lots of different, you know, it's the, <clears throat> the interdenominational term gets thrown around there and with those groups. But, uh, and I actually worked for five years uh, with this organization too, and it was very valuable. But one of the things I think that came out of that, and maybe it was my spiritual maturity and just kind of as I was growing and learning the scripture is you can tend to take um, a very disjunct view of scripture. You can read, and I, I remember um, actually pres current president Larson of our denomination um, when I was considering coming to seminary, he said, I think, I think that would be good. One of the things that you could gain and benefit from is just having a more consistent view of scripture um, and a consistent theological structure. He said, I, I noticed sometimes you can go to one passage and interpret it one way and go to another one. And, and it's almost like you didn't, hadn't read that other one. And, and what we, what we talk, um, you know, in theological and interpretive uh, discussions as scripture interpreting scripture, um, I didn't have that kind of value. <clears throat> so I, I think in coming to seminary, one of, one of my uh, friends and uh, LB pastor Jay Price said, Get a get a wide margin Bible, and I continue to to do that, and and write your notes in there. And one of the things I actually liked uh, ones that didn't have the cross references, so I had to do the own, my own work a little bit. And as I read one thing, I'm like, God, oh, that sounds like something else, or there's a connection there. And I started doing that. Um, and I think part of the value of a of a good seminary program is that it helps to make some of those connections, and all of that works in into a, a whole of uh, in, in, um, adding clarity in places. Um, you learn sort of where, the, where the, the chair passages was a phrase. Maybe some of you guys are familiar with Dr. Bode used that. Uh, he used some, a Latin term, I think, um, uh, for that. But, but uh, you know, where do I look to for kind of key doctrines? What's the key passage and what are some others that are maybe less clear in a company? So I'm try, I, I try to, I think that way also as I read scripture and, and especially Old Testament, but now, you know, in Old Testament and the New. Um, as we read something, um, you hear something that either not just cites, but sounds like, um, and we start to ask questions. Um, exegesis, a, a key part of that process is asking good questions. Um, you all know from your week in, week out preaching experience that you can continue to ask questions of the text and never get to, oh, if, if Sunday weren't coming, you got to stop asking at some point and take what you yeah. have. Uh, and go there. So I, I don't know if that's true, though, because you remember when I wrote papers for you, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I try to not remember. No. <laughs> not to refresh right. Every paper so, was so many. This is incredibly concise. Yeah. You could really. Yeah. You got <laughs> so the, those uh, guys can keep asking questions. Right. I give up. <laughs> every every good paper has got to have that. You know, I could go much, much further on this, but for lack of time and, and uh, space, we're going to concise and make it more concise. So, so all that even, to say. Oh, sorry. I was just going to jump yeah. in and say, man, I, I'm starting, I've been in, in the pulpit long enough where I'm starting to get to texts in the lectionary I've preached before and mm -hmm. thinking I could preach like 10 different sermons on this and I'd never, I never cover it all. Yeah. And the next time you look at it, it's, it's fresh again. There's always more. Yep. Amazing. Yep. Yep. And I'll, I'll agree with that too. And I've even moved to the one-year lectionary. Hmm. And even though it's the same texts that come up every single year, like there's, there's enough there to keep mining, keep preaching the gospel and have it be fresh every single year. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh, very rich. So, so this idea of sort of, um, uh, I, I, I jotted a term down in the notes. I don't know if I've heard it before, but just this idea of biblical plagiarism, you know, the idea of, you know, he who has ears, let him hear is a phrase I think of, you know, and that, that comes up 
maybe with a very a different use, but it come, that phrase comes up uh, in Revelation. But Jesus uh, was often uh, saying that this idea that if, 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 that, if something strikes there, um, chase that, grab onto that, uh, pursue it. And uh, so we don't um, often hear other, other parts of scripture unless we've read other parts of scripture. And so there's that encouragement to just, mm-hmm. uh, just be constantly reading. And I'm thinking of, um, if I can just maybe offer one example, um, so a number of you guys have had Jonah, um, going through Jonah with me and, uh, in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And in Jonah 1, uh, 10, the, the sailor comes to Jonah who's sleeping and not, you know, down inside the ship in this deep sleep. And he says, um, what, are, what is this you are doing? You know, sleeping as the ship's being tossed back and forth. So it's very similar phrase. If you are hearing and listening to it, that God says to the woman in Genesis 3, what is this you have done? And, and sometimes I, I wonder, and, this, and that's sort of the way this is sometimes. We, it's not real clear, but it's like, ha, huh, I'm hearing that, is what Jonah is doing and running from Yahweh, running from God, running from his call, running from this gift that he has to, to be a vehicle through whom God wants to reach uh, not only these pagan sailors, but the lost people in Nineveh, is what he's doing just uh, an echo of what Adam and Eve did in the garden as they turned away. I wonder. And that's, that's kind of the, the way that I uh, approach some of these things. I just, that sounds, you know, too similar to be a coincidence. There are no coincidences. And it starts to give us a sense of how um, the Bible kind of begs to be read in that holistic, um, we might call it canonical, right, with it as a collection, as a whole, um, or intertextual way, uh, right, so that we hear and we listen for. And I think the caution is always, um, how do we do that without forcing, re- you know, reading into it? We, we want to try to sort of observe what's there. Um, so Revelation um, is one of these books. Um, one of the, the guys I was reading said, you, you really, I think you can understand Revelation. He was maybe being a little hyperbolic, but you can't understand Revelation unless you know the Old Testament. Uh, and which of us knows the Old Testament. But, you know, as, as you think about the Old Testament and read Revelation, you just, you, you, your knowledge of the Old Testament is going to enrich um, what's going on here. Well, um, that kind of yeah. is the opposite of what we've been teaching everybody so far. We've said, when you get to <laughs> Revelation, forget about the rest of scripture. The rest of it's about Jesus, Revelation, something else. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, ding, ding. That's really good. Yeah. It's good. We can we can tend to you know separate the testaments, old and new, and we do that a lot with Revelation, just because yeah. it is so foreign to a lot of other yeah. places yeah. in Scripture. Well, and we do that <clears throat> interpreting. We do it kind of just practically too. Even thinking about um, you know Revelation as apocalyptic literature. Old Testament, which is where I teach, uh, what I teach here, the, you know, you get to those apocalyptic sections, Daniel um, and Ezekiel, and, and those two are treated very much uh, separate. Like, okay, I like the narrative stuff. I like maybe even some poetry, but this stuff is weird. So we mm-hmm. just sort of uh, set it aside. So it's kind of a tendency to, uh, to do that. Um, but obviously, Revelation is soaked with the language of the Old Testament. Um, you know, the, the citations are easy. Um, where it says, you know, so-and-so says, or as the scriptures say, maybe the more common, um, and sometimes below the harder part is the illusions. Um, they can appear more subjective. So how do you, how do you know? Um, I was reading one source who said they thought that that was, that was intentional or that you weren't supposed to sort of chase down and kind of listen to this. I, I don't know how you can't 
um, you know, place value in this. The, it's just every, every verse, certainly every chapter is just filled with uh, figurative language, vocabulary, uh, imagery, all of that from the Old Testament. So I don't know how you could avoid it and say it's, it's not necessarily intended to be uh, as important as it is. Um, so maybe I could um, talk a little a few few ways about um, some of the language that John uses um, in, uh, in in Revelation that kind of comes from the Old Testament. I kind of said this is John's uh, toolbox where he draws from, um, and uh, one of the clear clear ways or places is just the uh, a number of Old Testament prophets. So um, maybe I'll do a little pop quiz for you guys. Oh, no. So think about. Uh, I don't have anything to pop up on the screen, but think about what in Revelation so far has sounded like or reminded you of the of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, him or his writing. He's quizzing you, Ben. It's totally true. Encyclopedia <laughs> Bentanica. It's time. <laughs> now or never. Well, and you kind of see the you know, John's vision of the risen Christ is very similar to his vision of god in the throne room mm -hmm. in isaiah 6 mm -hmm. yep. yeah that, that's exactly what i was going to say yep yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah good what else anything else jump out at you can i peek at isaiah 6 oh, or does that ruin it oh please do i'm never going to argue with your and page's turn mm -hmm. it's much See, better this? much better than Thumbs squeaking across the Dr. Pribino loaned me a paper Bible <laughs> for today. I'm pretty sure that's fully sanctified right there. So if you it like is. It if is. rub your face into it, I'm pretty sure that that gets you like extra blessing. Glad he didn't oil up any. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, there, there are kind of more connections too. Like even, I suppose you'd even have the illusion from five with, with Isaiah calling out, what was me? I am undone. Um, would not be a direct connection to, to the way John responds when he sees Jesus, but he hits the ground yeah. like he's dead. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm dead. It's over. Mm -hmm. And then John is like, he is dead. You've got connections with the angels. You've got connections mm -hmm. with all kinds of different bits of imagery just there in chapter six. Right. And, uh, yeah, and you have the, the seraphim are singing, holy 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 and you have that yep. in revelation as well and isaiah is real big on you know god is the holy one of israel and so mm -hmm. that comes through quite a bit mm -hmm. as well yeah yeah so that stuff at the beginning there is certainly his call interesting how his call is also uh echoes some of ezekiel um also on ezekiel's call um the end of uh, end of isaiah uh talks about in chapter 65 um th that's where we actually see the you know some make a lot of connections to this language of a new heaven and a new earth uh mm -hmm. 65 17 mm -hmm. isaiah 65 17 for behold i create new heavens and a new earth and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind but uh, I, don't, I don't know if you knew this but it's a connection a bit to the garden of eden <laughs> and the new heaven that is really it's profound. really really wise yeah i don't know i don't know if I, you'd heard of that i had not yeah, yeah. I just, I literally read his handwritten notes out of his personal Bible. <laughs> That's Is nice. that why you wanted to open it in order to actually get the answers? Yeah. You should just flip the yeah. revelation. Yeah. I might have all the answers there. Yeah, all right. 
Try to keep that Bible, dude. Hey, I'll see what I can do. I'm going to be honest. The New Testament seems to have less writing in it. Though. It's, it's, it's possible. <laughs> How about uh, chapter 66, verse 1, talks about uh, the Lord saying, heaven is my throne, which we already talked about that connection, but then the earth is my footstool. And we've talked a lot about, you know, the feet of Jesus and the descriptions there and and even thinking of that, that mighty angel standing upon the earth that we talked about, whether that could possibly be a Christophany or, or whether it was actually just an angel, but just the language of the feet of Christ kind of stomping out his en- enemies and standing firm and ruling over the earth. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I want to point out, I don't know if you guys have heard of the Bible project or not, but they do a, um, like sketches. So here, I'm just going to share a sketch with the people <clears> who are here. And so the end of, you guys can see that, right? So the end of it, 56 through 66, the servant inherits the kingdom of God. Down over here, I'll zoom in so we can see this a little bit better. But I think this gets to what you were talking about, Brad, where, you know, the new Jerusalem and here's the king ruling, which it shows people who are exiting the wicked who are not allowed to be in the new Jerusalem, but hundreds of people entering in to the new Jerusalem through faith. And so I thought that that was kind of cool. And that I feel like that plays together with what we're going through in the book of revelation as well. Yeah. Yeah, And you can see too, you know, Isaiah, especially in, you know, latter part of 52 into 53, you know, you have, you know, the, the Lord's servant who is crushed for our iniquities and he is described as, you know, as a lamb that goes to, slaughter and then also that even after death he will uh see his you know reward and be satisfied so you have this idea too of resurrection and in revelation we have the lamb as one that has been slain and yet lives and so we have that uh connecting imagery as well yeah 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 so so john's not pulling this out of something new i mean he are creating this new this is this is all drawing on these threads and he um you know some would say that john sees himself in this line this prophetic line but now he's seeing his visions of of the end fulfillment and i i just um have been struck by the fact that this is the the just a recurring use of some of these similar themes. It's like even the prophets have a toolbox of, of tools that they sort of pass on to the next generation. And their, their, their tools here in terms of their language is, is recurring in various places. They're borrowing from one another in some cases. Um, and in other cases, clearly, obviously, it, it's a sign of one mind being behind the whole thing, right? This whole revelation in, um, inspired through multiple authors expressed. It shouldn't surprise us. Uh, that it can sound uh, similar from place to place. Um, we could spend some time on Ezekiel too. Ezekiel's call, eating, eating the scroll, oh, yeah. Um, just yeah, is a is a kind of cool thing. Um, the defeat of his enemies um, is is seen kind of in the latter part. So the latter part of Ezekiel gets quite apocalyptic. The first part's a lot of, a lot like that too in, in sections. But it's clearly the the whole new temple. Maybe when you guys get to that um, mm-hmm. twenty one and twenty two, you got uh, Ezekiel forty to forty eight. Kind of describes this uh, heavenly temple. Um, one of the cool things. It's not going to be built in Jerusalem. <laughs> We're, we're waiting. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
the, the you know the the cool one of the cool things I love the imagery in Ezekiel is the the river that flows from the, the throne. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my classes we do this little in in, uh, in in class presentation. What's the deal with the river? You know, and they take a look at that. Why is there a, why is there always a river? Whenever we've got these these wherever God's present, wherever we've got the kingdom of God, Genesis two, you got the four rivers. But um, Psalm 46, this, um, there's a river that makes glad the streams uh, of Zion, right? There's a river there. Psalm <clears> 1. <throat> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, which is echoed in Jeremiah 17. And, uh, and then obviously you've got this, uh, this river, this, the, well, Ezekiel, um, it's there. And just a beautiful imagery. Um, I think I would like to say that actually Psalm 1 is kind of a, a cool way to bring all that together because it's such a... A, a great picture of uh, yeah, what the river does. It nourishes this tree, pro- makes it causes it to produce fruit um, in its season, right? And the leaves don't wither. Um, and then you get the healing uh, that comes from from the trees that are nourished by that stream, both in Ezekiel's vision and uh, and in the Revelation uh, description of the temple. So, and then obviously Daniel is another huge um, one. So obviously the son of man, when you guys were in four, Revelation 4 and 5, you may have talked mm-hmm. about that. That's a huge feeder uh, passage, if you will, for Revelation 4 and 5. Um, I found it interesting, uh, you know, times, times, and a half a time comes in Daniel 7. That's mm-hmm. sort of mysterious. not sure what you guys came up with that, um, but you hear that repeated actually uh, in Revelation 12. Um, you know, the beasts are there, the book of life, one of the things that numerology, have you guys spent much time talking about the numbers in, uh, in Revelation? Yeah, we've spent a chunk you know, of time. You know, we, again, just, just enough time to say all of it is 100% literal and there are no figurative <laughs> meanings. Not one, the numbers, not one person more. <laughs> we added a lot of Hussey's comments out of yeah. that. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> My, I, I bring at least one heretical statement every video. Every, that's your, that's yeah. your job. That's Emphasis job. on the word at least at yeah. least yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, i mean now i think i think that's your third today so, it probably is and honest. i even like was withholding stupid comments like when uh, Dr. Wow. Pribino said it's evidence of you know all of scripture from one mind i was really there's a lot of work not to say and that mind was skynet which is just straight up blasphemous so that's why i didn't do it if you go off the air you know what's happening <laughs> uh one other, one of the last one to mention uh, might be Zechariah, which um, maybe is not as common. Zechariah is not a book that probably a lot of us have spent a lot of time in uh, either, but the four horsemen there, maybe compared to the four living creatures, the uh, lampstands, um, there's two witnesses there. Um, of course, Zechariah is a post-exilic book, so um, you've got an emphasis after the exile on, um, on the, the high priest and the governor. Uh, the high priest being Joshua and the governor is Zerubbabel, who was in the line, the Davidic line. So these these promises uh, of restoration, these two offices, these two witnesses are sort of brought together. And that's there we mm-hmm. get prophet and um, our priest and king, uh, you know, two out of the three mm-hmm. that obviously Christ fulfills um, completely and such. So and then one of the few direct quotes uh, comes from Zechariah 12, every eye will see it. So that's the right at the beginning of of Revelation um, chapter one, verse seven, doesn't cite um, 
Zechariah, but then, so it says there, and I have that right, chapter one, Revelation 1, um, behold, he is coming on the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. And that's a, that doesn't, doesn't set it up as that, but that's actually a really, really close uh, quotation of Zechariah 12. There's a, actually the, the last half of Zechariah. There's a lot of Christological statements. A lot of the stuff that you read during Advent uh, may come from, uh, from Zechariah, at least in one of the three years, if you're, I don't know what happens in the one year uh, lectionary series. So. Uh, and then Genesis and, and Exodus are two other books uh, that find, you know, the creation accounts, obviously the re recreation, um, and then the plagues. Um, our commentators will kind of dig into that too and take a look at that and compare it with the bowls and, the, uh, uh, and those things. So, yeah, so let me pause there and just uh, any, any comments or am I off track where you guys are going or is this? I, I actually kind of feel a little encouraged because I feel like, we're kind of tracking with you as we've been going through. I mean, granted, when this one comes out, this is going to be episode like 34, 35. Yeah. Uh, so we've done our fair share of just major carpet bombing where we just spend a whole bunch of time on one area trying to nail all of it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm actually kind of encouraged as you've been going through this because I'm like, oh, I've definitely heard Matt or Mike or Ben definitely say stuff like this. Okay. Now you've definitely uh, heard Ben or Matt say something like that. I said the opposite. Uh, I wasn't talking about you. I was talking about myself. In the third <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. 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 All right. That's fair. That's totally fair. So uh, you're like my son who likes to take uh, the video games and drive backwards on them. Yeah. Not, not the right one. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got, Ben? I think, I think this is. Oh, go ahead, Ben. Oh, I think it's really neat just even in going through um, what we have so far and going back to Genesis and seeing, you know, again, you got the river and you got the tree of life and so on. And you go to the end of Revelation and you have the river and you have the tree of life. And um, if you can kind of step back and kind of a bird's eye view of it, you can really see how from beginning to end, Scripture is a unified whole. It's telling a single story. Um, and it's not just this random piecing together of different things, but everything, you know, beginning in Genesis and such, it builds and it builds and it builds and it, and it brings you, you know, to Christ and it ends you yeah. with Christ. And it, and it kind of is this unified whole that works very well and very seamlessly together. And that's, I think, really helpful for us to see. So we don't just look at it piecemeal, like, you know, yeah. random collections of things or like some, you know, higher critical scholars like to say, oh, people just grabbed this and this and this and threw it all together. And somehow it's so seamlessly and perfect. But, you know, um, but this really is God's story from beginning to end. And he is telling a unified uh, single story. And that's pretty neat. Yep. Yeah. Well, maybe we can take a look. I don't know how our time is. We, maybe we can take a look at one of those themes um, of Babylon. I know you guys have been... Um, you said you're around chapter 11, right? But uh, Babylon makes a showing uh, here, I think, for the first time in chapter 14. And um, what I'd actually like to do, we can maybe just take a look at a couple of verses. And because uh, if you didn't, if you didn't know, uh, and I know you guys do, but if you didn't know sort of what, what's, what's up with Babylon, why, why this mention of Babylon? here um do we even see that in the new testament and you might be thinking just kind of more isolated um again here's another key theme and, and one of the one of the fields i've been reading a little bit on a survey of uh, kind of recent literature on 
what's called biblical theology or Old Testament theology. And a lot of people try to go about, I think it's really go about describing what the Old Testament is and what it says, and they'll organize it differently. Some will do it by history. Some will do it um, by theme. Um, they'll, they'll kind of try to find a central theme in the Old Testament. Some will pick up various themes and kind of just, uh, you know, track those through the Old Testament in various ways. But th this is sort of a little example of doing some, some Old Testament or biblical theology, at least um, a broader picture of kind of taking a theme, a word study, maybe a phrase here and just tracing it through to see how it develops to see when we get to this end of the journey. Um, what are we what are we dealing with and what's what's assumed in that knowledge that kind of fun feeds into um, what we find here in Revelation. So the first time that Babylon shows up, I think is chapter 14, verse eight. Um, and here is um, maybe do we want to uh, Ben, you want to take chapter, maybe read six through eight of uh, Revelation 14 verses six through eight. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So Revelation 14, verses 6 through 8 says this, Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Another angel, a second, followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the third angel that speaks next. Um, so a, a few things here. So fallen, fallen is Babylon, the great. Um, and then the second phrase, she who made the nations drink the wine of the, you know, this cup of wine, what's up with that? There's a, Old Testament imagery of um, that actually comes off of Jesus' lips too at some point. That take it, this cup from me, this wine, this cup of, of wrath, a cup a cup of judgment, um, is a is an image that um, occurs. It's it's something that God's enemies will will eventually drink from. But yet those who are opposed to Him sort of pour out the, their own cup of wrath on, on others. And so that's the idea here um, with this phrase. Uh, who made all the nations drink a wine, but of the passion of her sexual immorality. And we see kind of the core. I, I'm amazed. Um, if I could jump to today real quick, amazed today uh, and always how central our sexuality is in, in our, 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 our identity, our relationship with one another, certainly our vertical relationship with God. You know, so why is it, uh, and even, even in the Old Testament, we, um, so you guys might remember, we talked about Hosea being such a central paradigmatic kind of prophetic book. It really, it paints, it shows the, the temptation and the, the struggle and the challenges, the danger of, of uh, adultery and our waywardness and how this is not just a Gomer and Hosea issue. This is uh, us and God. Uh, and how that image is so central to understanding the prophet's message. They lived amongst a people that was an idolatrous people. Uh, you know, all of the, the ancient or Eastern religions had kind of the sexual prostitution at its core in some, some form or another. Um, and so here, you know, Babylon is described as being sort of the source of, of this. And so then we see the contrast of our call for purity 
you know, for us in Christ and especially with regard to our bodies. But so here's Babylon, um, our, kind of our first mention of this uh, in the New Testament being described in this way and uh, this pronouncement, pronouncement of, of uh, her defeat, right, her judgment. Um, we're going to see some similar things. We don't have to look at all these, but chapter 16 then is a little bit more. Um, and we just look at chapter 16, um, uh, verse 19. It just says, the great city was split in three parts and the cities of the nations fell. And God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of wine of the fury of his wrath. Uh, and there so too. So Babylon, an interesting description, Babylon the great. Um, you know, not being a positive <laughs> description, but the sense of, uh, you know, just the, uh, you know, the, the depth and, and kind of maybe impact of, of, of her evil, it's evil. And really, what is, we starting to ask this question, what is Babylon? Who is Babylon? Um, as we're looking at these, and then there's, there's some more there. Uh, but maybe we can go back um, to Genesis. And uh, we can, uh, do we want to share some of the scripture reading? Or has Ben sort of the, the default reader? It really did well. Depends on who's assigning the task. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> uh, Genesis 11. <clears throat> and, um, and maybe we just, um, this, so one, one through nine, this is a well-known Tower of Babel um, event. Uh, and I can read that for you yeah, if you'd like. Yeah, just one through nine. All right, Genesis 11, 1 through 9. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a tower, a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Yeah. Yeah, so, so here, clearly, we get this um, picture of the pride of man, <clears throat> maybe summarized best um, in verse four, let us make a name for ourselves. Um, and, uh, and they're, they're given this name, it's, it's called Babel. Um, your version, I think you're reading ESV. Yep. Right. Yeah. So you've got the Shinar, the land of Shinar. Um, that's actually the, the, where, where Daniel's taken to Daniel. Sometimes our versions do different things with that. Um, and, uh, but in Daniel chapter one, so <coughs> Daniel's taken to exile to this, this place of Shinar. So there too, the, the biblical reader might say, ah, I remember reading Daniel chapter one and where Daniel gets taken away. It's like, I remember that. What else happened here? And you go back to the Tower of Babel. So there's this sense of this place being sure. a, a place of, of pride and arrogance, opposition to God and not submitting to his, uh, his leadership. So Brad, would, would you see a, 
connection with that too in the story of Aachen with the fall of Jericho and he stole like a robe or something from Shinar? Mm. Would there be any connection yeah. there too with that? Or? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I, I would say yes. I mean, you have to sort of always ask the questions. Oh, what, what does that, what does that mean? And what, and what role does that have? I wouldn't, um, I, I think one other little nuance um, that we can, that I think of biblically in terms of the, the directionality is the whole idea of East, you know, so when they're sent out of the garden of Eden, they're sent out to the East. Um, uh, Cain goes to the East. Uh, you've got Jonah going, sitting East of the city at the end of Jonah to see what's going to happen. There's those little subtle things. Um, got that, me traveling East to the lake. <laughs> there's all those <laughs> things that we got to pay attention to. Um, that, that, yeah, that, uh, you know, carry, I think, for the, for the he who has ears, um, carry some significance to understand. It's, it's almost like saying in biblical terms, uh, and on the Sabbath, you know, Jesus entered the synagogue. And you know something's going to go down, right? Because it's just sort of setting it up for, for a conflict or for something that we typically see kind of with those, those terms. Good. Uh, how about Habakkuk uh, or Habakkuk, depending on how you want to say it. It's still the same page in your Bible. <laughs> Uh, I can can take that one. Okay. So it says, uh, this is Habakkuk 1, 5 through 7. Yep. Uh, Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe. Even if you were told, I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and pretentious people who swept across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own they are feared and or they are a feared and dreaded people they are a law to themselves and promote their own honor good you must be reading niv maybe um um, some of them say some of them might say in chapter uh habakkuk one verse uh six the chaldeans it's another another word for the babylonians um so here too, you get a description. So this is Habakkuk, where he's complaining in the first uh, first few verses about the injustice, the violence that's happening. Some of the language, the vocabulary there has more of a sense of internal uh, unrest and violence. So he's kind of complaining about life in Israel, uh, you know, to Yahweh. And and the Lord's answer to that is, okay, I want to send the Babylonians, and they're gonna de- they're gonna you know destroy all of you. And he's like, wait, wait you know, wait a minute, I was just complaining about my neighbor here a little bit uh it's not exactly what i was intending for this uh thing to be wiped out but but the whole um struggle of faith in in habakkuk is based on this idea how could god carry out his will uh by using this evil people and so we're this is sort of our point here is just sort of seeing how Babylon, the Chaldeans are described. Um, he is raising up, and it's always striking for us, I think, to hear the, uh, Yahweh, the Lord, talk about um, people like the Babylonians or maybe a certain foreign king uh, as my servant, right? As someone they raise up. That's always like, wait, wait a minute. That's not how God's supposed to work. Um, we begin to see the Lord as the Lord of history, uh, and He is in charge of the rising and falling of nations. Um, and, uh, and peoples as well. So he uses them as he, as he desires. So here, Babylon is, is marching. They march through. They seize dwellings, not their own. A dreaded uh, and fearful people. Right. 
So moving along, um, we could probably just, I'll just mention Psalm 137. Read the, I can read the last. Psalm 137 has, is one of these imprecatory psalms, or psalms of vengeance. And uh, they, uh, this one it is, um, we could talk about at a different time about when were, when were the psalms written? Um, some were clearly, uh, you know, by David and pre-exilic, some by Solomon, the Moses, some of them, though, were clearly exilic and post-exilic. I've actually heard argument uh, that all of the Psalms, this would, this would maybe not uh, sync with my overall view, but that all the Psalms were post-exilic. doesn't sit well with me, but, but if you consider some of them, like Yahweh reigns, the, the Lord reigns Psalms in the, in the upper 90s, um, which is a good decade, maybe, for some of you. Not sure. Um, the... the um, you consider hearing, writing, or, or, or reciting or proclaiming that psalm while in exile. You know, who reigns? You know, the Babylon's in charge. No, actually, the Lord reigns. You know, so you can hear some of that language there. But Psalm 137 is clearly a, an exilic uh, psalm. So by the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. And they're sort of taunting... Um, these faithful uh, believers to sing us one of those songs of your, you know, your people, your culture, back when you guys had had your country and everything. And how, you know, it says in verse four, how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. And then uh, some of these striking words, um, and maybe here, um, uh, um, Ben, do you want to pick up in verse seven and read seven through nine of one thirty-seven? Be the most pleasant read of the day. Seven through nine, you said? Yeah. Okay. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem, how they said, lay it bare, lay it bare, down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed. Blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. Yeah. Probably not a psalm that makes it in either the three-year lectionary or the one-year lectionary. <laughs> I know we, we do that Christmas Eve service. <laughs> you may. <laughs> uh, much of these, um, and maybe this will help us make our leap here to Revelation and push along, but much of the, the I would say, the, the psalms of vengeance um, function theologically out of uh, what we see in Genesis 12, the Abrahamic covenant, where God says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And we see examples of that as God fights uh, for his people, uh, the people of Israel throughout the Old Testament. Um, you know, do not worry this day about this, this foe, because the Lord fights for you. Um, and so, so Babylon, who are these ones in the, the Psalms of vengeance that are spoken against? It's not, again, that, that personal enemy. Uh, this is a, a spoken against the, en the enemy, ultimately Satan himself of, of God and his mission of his work uh, and, and all of those who align themselves uh, with, with Satan. And so th that same idea here is, is drawn into then what we see into the New Testament. We see Peter talk about using this, um, uh, this phrase, uh, all the people in, in Babylon greet you in 1 Peter 5. And um, 
maybe some different opinions on that, but but someone recognized um, what he's referencing there may very well be the church, the believers in Rome. And so seeing sort of this idea of Rome being the center of, uh, of a populous place where they are opposed, uh, opposed to God. Um, and here's this faithful people, which I, I, I really do, I really resonate with, you know, books like Daniel and here where we see um, faithful uh, believers living in the midst of, of, of as, a, as minorities, people, if you will, in places of persecution. When we get to Daniel, as we go through the prophets, it's so... Um, relevant if i can use that term and because it just this is this is our life uh especially as we move into a post-christian kind of post-modern time that we are we are god's people living in a foreign land and we need to be reminded of that and remember uh remember that um and then we get to revelation uh where the uh, 17 18 where the description of babylon's fall is given and um you know, it's, there, it's interspersed there, but maybe we can just take um, a couple sections. Let's see. Um, how about, um, Matt, you want to do chapter, now we're back in Revelation 18, just one, th- one through three. Uh, choose a new version of the Bible, too, because he guessed the last two just by oh, hearing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can't really switch my translations oh. on the paper copy so easily, but um, I right, can try to just hold on, hold on, then I'll do it. I'll do it because I can change it. Pretty <laughs> oh man! So you said you said Revelation eighteen one through three, right? Two three, yep. Okay. Sorry, when you do something impressive, we have to uh, test it further. Okay, here we go. Challenge. <clears throat> Revelation eighteen one through three. All right. Following this, I saw an angel descend from heaven. His authority was immense. His glory flooded earth with brightness. His voice thunderous. Ruined, ruined, great Babylon, ruined. A ghost town for demons is all that's left. A garrison of carrion spirits. Garrison of Lotham. Um, carrion birds, all nations drank the wild wine and her whoring. Kings of the earth went whoring with her. Entrepreneurs made millions exploiting her. Mm. So I feel like I'm taking a glass of wine and spinning it around, mm. smelling it here, thinking, okay, there's. <laughs> so I was gonna, I was gonna say a new living translation right away, but this is this is a good uh, game show answer. They like it when people. Uh, play it out a little bit. Uh, I was hearing New Living Translation at first, but then whorings is not uh, a, kind of a contemporary term, so it's, that would not have made the cut in the New Living Translation. I'm wondering if it's the NRSV. Actually, surprising you say that too, that it like wouldn't make a present day uh, yeah. translation. This is actually, and this actually surprised me as I was reading it, because I got to the word whoring and I was like, oh gosh, this <laughs> This is the message. No, oh, wow. Okay. That's what I was going to say. The, okay. And the thing that gave it away to me was the millions at the end. Yeah. Yeah. That was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then the Mike, the cut, but... Mike, why don't you just read it in Greek, man? <clears throat> New King. Oh, old, old school King James. I'll yeah. get that on the next go. <laughs> yeah. I thought that that was too easy for him. So. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Fine choice. Fine choice. <clears throat> I should have been, should have guessed. Um, and uh, it shows up here um, down in verse um, 10. It makes a mention of it in chapter 18, verse 10. 
Uh, they will stand off, stand far off in fear of her torment and say, alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city of Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And then uh, I think one more mention in verse 21, which is, this is describing the fall of Babylon, but here we see the names show up, verse 18, verse 21. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, so, so will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. Um, and you, you get the, you know, going back to those Psalms of vengeance, one of the things, one of the things, many things maybe that rub us wrong in our cultural view, kind of hearing that is how, you know, how would we, um, why would we rejoice, um, you know, the, uh, at the, at the, the suffering and punishment of someone else, the one, um, Psalm of vengeance that is most striking to me, um, I mean, striking the babies on the rocks is, is bad, but Psalm 58, um, I think it's verse 11, says that the righteous um, will rejoice when they wash their feet in the blood of the wicked. Um, how can we rejoice, you know, at, at, at someone else's destruction? That's so mean, you know, and, and we start, we have to, we have, this is where we have to step back and, and get a, a much bigger picture uh, of exactly you know what's going on in our existence um, that there is evil right and evil uh, is to be punished um, and it will be punished um, and when we're on sort of one side of maybe the that dynamic of, of evil we see it happen to somebody else or we maybe we're not sure if, if justice is being carried out you know, rightly, we might say, well, that's not fair. How do you know, well, how do you know this or that and all the facts? And we don't see things clearly, but God sees things perfectly clearly. Uh, evil is, is, uh, is it, it is sort of a now um, defeated, but not yet reality for us. We still live in the midst of, a, as a foreigners in this strange world and suffering uh, will be our experience all the way through. Uh, but there will come a day, and I'm sure you guys have had um, opportunities, I hope, and, and trust that you have as you visited with people who struggle um, with suffering in, in various ways. And one of the reassuring things for at least a person of faith um, is to know that there will come a day when this suffering too will end. I, I may not live in this physical body to see that complete end. Um, but I can trust through faith that, that God will bring all evil uh, to an end one day. And we're seeing this long, you know, go all the way back to Genesis 11, you know, this prideful people who said, I don't need you, God. We're going we're gonna to build a name for ourselves. We hope to not be a, be a part of that group on one hand, but at the same time, we know that that's in each one of us, <laughs> that same sense of pride and, and desire to make a name for ourselves. And as ones who have been bought uh, by Christ and washed in his blood, we are, we are cleansed, but continue to struggle uh, with that. And so maybe there's this, I don't know if I'm going out too far on a limb here, but maybe there's a sense of, um, uh, you know, even, even in us, um, this, uh, the struggle is defeated once because the source of that, the temptation and evil is also destroyed. And um, we, this is what um, I think some of the prophets would do from time to time, lift our eyes after a, maybe a, it depends on how you read Joel, but a locust uh, attack, you know, what's going on with this. And he says, listen, this is, there's a day upon us. There's a judgment coming here. It's almost like Jesus saying, 
uh, you know, you saw what happened here. Uh, and unless you repent, the same thing is going to happen to you. It's like, well, that doesn't seem very compassionate. Hmm. Um, but he's sort of saying, lift your eyes and see the bigger picture. This life is nothing. Mm-hmm. We're going to struggle. Uh, but you're, you're this, the ultimate struggle here is, is not just your, your comfort um, uh, today or tomorrow, but it's this ultimate struggle uh, against uh, Satan. And, and I will defeat him. And in fact, I have defeated him. So what we see here is a sort of the fulfillment of that in the theological um, you know, image of, of Babylon and everything that Babylon is and has stood for. So I'm doing a lot of talking there. So no, reactions, reactions to that. Yeah, you did a lot of talking, but it was really good talking. So that's 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 <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, and the theme of Babylon is one that we're about to walk into in coming yeah. weeks. So that's yeah. really helpful to kind of set the stage for it. And yeah. I know I know Ben had this big thing worked up about how Babylon was, I don't know, some city, maybe America, but I think you kind of took care of that <laughs> for him. So he doesn't need to go. My there. pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> one of the <clears throat> I don't know if you would make this connection or not but as you were talking before about <clears throat> excuse me the the verse about uh babylon uh, being thrown down with violence and you know the picture of picking up a big millstone and throwing it into the sea you know brings to mind jesus warning about you know anybody who causes one of my little ones to stumble you know it'd be better for him to have a millstone tied around his neck and be thrown into the sea <laughs> and and that seems harsh, but again, that's how much God loves his little children. And he's talking about us, not just infants. He is talking about little impressionable ones, but he's talking about all of his children. And, and we think about how Babylon and so many other nations have led God's people astray. And, and the result of that, if they, if they stray to the end, is, is damnation, right? And God is fighting for his kids and he fights their enemies. He fights his enemies and those who would lead them away from him. And, uh, and so even in that, we see a fierce love of God and his care for his children. And, and it's so cool to see that, that theme carried through the whole Bible from the beginning of Genesis through the promises to bless and curse uh, uh, and and all the way through Babylon, the 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 literal Babylon, and and all the way to the end of Revelation, God's protecting His children, trying to save people, and and He's willing to fight all who would stand in in His way. Yeah, it's a good reminder just to that there's basically two sides to the same coin. That the salvation of God's people necessarily entails the judgment of His enemies, and so. Well, it is, you know, we could say law and wrath toward those opposed to God. Their destruction is indeed the salvation of God's people. Yeah, yeah that's a that's a great image. Uh, I use that often when we talk about um, a number number of books um, in the Old Testament. Certainly, we we rejoice and we like the comfort things, but we can't have we. There's no comfort without also this sense of, yeah, but. Um, the, the, there's a thing that caused me discomfort. And what about that? You know, mm-hmm. and God, and I, I think um, it's, it's helpful. And I, I've run into this struggle and maybe I can speak back to those uh, Psalms of vengeance again. Um, we often just think, I think um, that the best thing that God can do is just sort of forget our sin. 
uh, and overlook it. Um, sometimes even the biblical language of covering it up, sort of, it's like, well, it's still there. You know, the bug's still there or whatever. The scar's still there. You know, you just cover it up. Um, but it ultimately had to be done away with. Um, and this, and here's where there's a leap for, for many people. Um, you guys know, I can't help but do something like this and not bring my favorite scholar, one of my favorite scholars, Bonhoeffer into the, into the mix. Uh, you know, as he does, as he deals with that Psalm 58, he says, is there no better picture? Here's the, here's the righteous rejoicing as they wash their feet in, in the, the blood of the wicked. Is there no better picture? He says than of the cross right mm-hmm. here, those who have been made righteous, washing their, their feet in the blood of the one who has been made wicked, made sin for us. And I realized, you know, if you, if you study that, if you looked at the history of that, some people just say, you can't do that. You can't go from David and skip over all that and go to Christ. Um, I mean, it certainly keeps Christ at the center. One of, but one of the things kind of theologically that um, I think he has a, has a good handle on is that sin is not just overlooked and forgotten. You know, it's okay. Let it go. It has to be paid for. Um, and, and so uh, people on both ends of the spectrum saying, well, that's Old Testament ethics, uh, or those who say, no, this is a picture of Christ, oftentimes both go to, to Luke uh, 23, Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Some would say that's the new ethic, whereas uh, what Bonhoeffer said, and, and I, I would agree, say, no, that's, that's our reality because of what Christ has done. It's not that now we're supposed to love one another. Father, forgive them. You know, these people that are putting Christ uh, to death in such a horrible way. But it's because he, has, he's, he is doing what he is doing on the cross. Now a word of forgiveness can be spoken even to those who are in Babylon and who have embraced this pride and all of the evils uh, of, of uh, the sexual immorality and passions. All of these things can find forgiveness and rescue um, because of the lamb who was slain. The tie back, how's that tying it back okay. to, to Revelation here, trying to help us out. Um, so, you're, so, you're, so you're saying that like justice still needs to be served, sin still needs to be paid for, but that's what he was doing there, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and that's what he accomplished for us. And so it's not like the law isn't the law anymore and that we don't actually need to fulfill the law. We absolutely need to be 100% perfect mm-hmm. and every single sin of ours needs to be atoned for but it has been in Jesus on the cross and that's the wonderful message. So we're not getting rid of any of the truth of the old Testament or of God's law, but it has been fulfilled in Christ. Christ. Yep. Yep. And then here's this, here's that, you know, strangely very comforting picture of, and that which is evil to its core, Satan himself, everything that's what, whatever that is, (laughs) uh, that's a part of, a part of that is, is, uh, finally, ultimately, and eternally uh, condemned to hell and separation from all that is good uh, and eternal torment. And so there's a, this is to be a comfort. Um, strangely enough, sometimes it's mysterious and discomforting sometimes as these books are, this is to be a, a, to our comfort, uh, to see a, a picture of God um, as sovereign and, uh, and powerful over all things. How can you say comfort so many times and not say it in Hebrew? Because I hear the word comfort now, and immediately Nakamu comes to mind. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, Isaiah 40. Nakamu, 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 Nakamu. But I think, uh, I think that's a perfect place to end. We end it on the, on the cross, the, the Lamb of God paying the price for our sins. Not, 
ignoring them, but being the propitiation for our sins and this great vision of comfort and evil being defeated and, and sent to hell, separated for eternity. And that is God's promise to all who have faith in Jesus Christ. So uh, just like every other part of Revelation, repent and believe, right? It's all about Jesus. I think Matt's supposed to pray for us, right? All right. Can you close us but, in prayer? <clears throat> yeah. And before I do that, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Pribino. And oh, I hope we can have you again. And uh, I would say, you know, we still would love for you to write some theme music or a theme song for us. Uh, <laughs> and so... You know, listeners, maybe you could, uh, you know, all take a vote on that if you agree, and we can leverage him, you know, with enough of us together. Check this out. Look what's in my laptop bag. There we go. See? Well, it's it's been good, and and, uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this time and for... Dr. Brad Pribinow being able to join us. So pray your blessing upon him and the seminary and this podcast ministry that he's doing with Dr. Dan Berge. And uh, pray, Lord, uh, that your word would continue to go forth through um, our schools, our seminaries, and, and every other means that you give for us to speak your gospel. Lord, it is our only hope in this broken world. And we thank you that you've been consistently teaching that, speaking that to us throughout the ages to see all the connections from Genesis to Revelation and, and that it's been consistent and connected all the way through uh, your word and throughout history is a beautiful and wonderful thing to think that right when we broke things in the beginning at the Garden of Eden, Lord, you already had a plan and promises to make it all new again and to fix all the problems and that you have accomplished that through Christ in his paying for sin, being our substitute, uh, that justice has been served in him. I pray that, that every one of us would be believing that, trusting in that, and, and looking forward to him finishing it all in, in the new heavens and the new earth and being joined together, uh, those things that we still yet wait for. Um, but I pray, Lord, that you'd help each one of us to be clinging to your word and your promises and looking forward to that, that coming of Christ, that we may be with you again um, in paradise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, guys. Right. Thank you, guys. Yeah, very much. Thank See you. you. Keep up the good work. <laughs>